bum, 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 bum. Welcome back, everybody. My name is Nicholas Gilberti. This is the second installment of the DPT School Study Guide, where we will be going over the muscles of the deep back and lower limb. And we're going to hopefully reinforce a lot of the material that we learned in lecture and drive that home so we can all get hundreds. If you're one of my classmates, welcome. And if you're not, what's poppin'? Let's dive right into it. To start, we have the serratus posterior superior, which is innervated by the second to fifth intercostal nerves. Its action is to elevate the ribs. Next up, we have the serratus posterior inferior, which is innervated by the ventral rami of T9 through T12 spinal nerves, and its action is to depress the ribs. Next up, we have the splenius. It is innervated by the dorsal rami of the spinal nerves. Unilaterally, its action is to flex and rotate the head to the same side. And bilaterally, its action is to extend the cervical spine and head. Next up, we have the iliocostalis. It is innervated by the dorsal rami of the spinal nerves. Its action unilaterally is to bend the spine laterally to the same side, and bilaterally, its action is to extend the spine. Next, we have longissimus. Longissimus is innervated by the dorsal rami of the spinal nerves. The unilateral action of longissimus is head rotation and neck flexion to the same side. The bilateral action of longissimus is head and vertebral column extension. Next up, we have spinalis. Spinalis is innervated by the dorsal rami of the spinal nerves. The unilateral action of spinalis is to bend the cervical and thoracic spine to the same side. The bilateral action of spinalis is to extend the cervical and thoracic spine. Next up, we have the semispinalis. The innervation of semispinalis is the dorsal rami of the spinal nerves. The semispinalis main action is to function as a postural stabilizer. The unilateral action of semispinalis is to bend the head and cervical and thoracic spine to the same side and rotate it to its opposite side. The bilateral action of semispinalis is to extend the spine. Next up, we have the rotators. Uh, rotators are innervated by the dorsal rami of the spinal nerves. The action of rotators is to function as a postural stabilizer. The unilateral action of rotators is to rotate the spine to its opposite side. The bilateral action of rotators is to extend the thoracic spine. Next up, we have the multifidus. Multifidus is innervated by the dorsal rami of the spinal nerves. The action of multifidus is to mainly function as a postural stabilizer, or rather postural stabilizers, because there's a lot of them. Um, 
the unilateral action of the multifidus are to flex the spine to the same side and rotate to the opposite side. The bilateral action of multifidus is to extend the spine. Next, we have the interspinalis. Interspinalis is innervated by the dorsal rami of the spinal nerves. Interspinalis's action is to aid in vertebral column extension and rotation to the same side. Next up, we have the intertransverse sari. Intertransverse sari. The innervation of intertransversari is the dorsal and ventral rami of the spinal nerves. The unilateral action of intertransversari is to bend the cervical and lumbar spines laterally to the same side. The bilateral action of intertransversari is to stabilize and extend the cervical and lumbar spines. Next up, we have the levatorus castorum. The innervation of levatorus castorum. Castorum. I am not a linguist, so if I butcher these pronunciations, I do apologize. But you get the idea. The innervation of levatorus castorum. I can't say it. You guys got it. Dorsal rami of C8 through T11 spinal nerves. The, unil the unilateral action of levatorus castorum bends the thoracic spine to the same side and rotates to the opposite side. The bilateral action of levatorus castorum extends the thoracic spine. Next up, we have the rectus capitis posterior major. Its origin is the spinous process of cranial, cranial vertebrae number two. It inserts on the lateral part of the inferior nuchal line of the occipital bone. Rectus capitis posterior major is innervated by the dorsal ramus of the C1 spinal nerve. The unilateral action of rectus capitis posterior major is head ipsilateral rotation. The bilateral action of rectus capitis posterior major is head extension. Moving on, where there is a major, there is a minor. Um, that sounded bad. You know what I meant. Uh, rectus capitis posterior minor. The origin of rectus capitis posterior minor is the posterior tubercle of the cranial vertebrae number one. Uh, it inserts rectus capitis posterior minor, inserts on the medial part of the inferior nuchal line of the occipital bone. Rectus capitis posterior minor is innervated by the dorsal ramus of the C1 spinal nerve. The unilateral action of rectus capitis posterior minor is head ipsilateral rotation. The bilateral action of rectus capitis posterior minor is head extension. Moving on to obliquus capitis superior. 
the origin of obliquus capitis superior is the transverse process of the cranial vertebrae number one. The obliquus capitis superior inserts on the occipital bone, the inferior nuchal line, and the middle third above rectus capitis posterior major. Obliquus capitis superior is innervated by the dorsal ramus of C1 of the C1 spinal nerve. The unilateral action of obliquus capitis superior tilts the head to the same side and rotates to its opposite side. The bilateral action of obliquus capitis superior is head extension. Obliquus capitis inferior, where there is superior, there is inferior. Obliquus capitis inferior is originates on the spinous process of cranial vertebrae number two, and it inserts, obliquus capitis inferior, inserts on the transverse process of C1. Obliquus capitis inferior is innervated by the dorsal ramus of C1 spinal nerve. The unilateral action of obliquus capitis inferior is neck ipsilateral rotation, and the bilateral action of obliquus capitis inferior consists of head extension. Moving on to the gluteus maximus. The gluteus maximus originates on the sacrum, the ilium, the thoracolumbar fascia, and the sacrotuberous ligament. The upper fibers inserts the upper fibers of the gluteus maximus inserts on the iliotibial tract, and the lower fibers of the gluteus maximus insert on the gluteal tuberosity. The gluteus maximus is innervated by the inferior gluteal nerve. L5 to S2, and the action of the gluteus maximus consists of the entire muscle extending and externally rotating the hip in the sagittal and coronal plane. The upper fibers of the gluteus maximus act as abductors, and the lower fibers of the gluteus maximus act as adductors. Moving on to the gluteus medius, the origin of the gluteus medius is the ilium, the gluteal surface below the iliac crest between the anterior and posterior gluteal line. The gluteus medius inserts on the greater trochanter of the femur, the lateral surface. The gluteus medius is innervated by the superior gluteal nerve, L4 to S1. The main action of the gluteus medius is to abduct the hip and stabilize the pelvis in the coronal plane. The anterior part of the gluteus medius consists of flexion and internal rotation as its actions, and the posterior part of the gluteus medius acts as an extension for extension and external rotation as its actions. Gluteus minimus originates at the ilium, 
the gluteal surface below the origin of the gluteus medius. The gluteus minimus inserts on the greater trochanter of the femur on the anterior lateral surface. Gluteus minimus is innervated by the superior gluteal nerve of L4 to S1. The primary action of the gluteus minimus is to abduct the hip and stabilize the pelvis in the coronal plane. The anterior part of the gluteus minimus functions for flexion and internal rotation, and the posterior part of the gluteus minimus functions to serve extension and external rotation. Moving on to the tensor fascia lata, the origin of tensor fascia lata or TFL is the anterior surface, anterior superior iliac spine, excuse me. The tensor fascia lata inserts on the iliotibial tract. The tensor fascia lata is innervated by the superior gluteal nerve L4 to S1. And the actions of tensor fascia lata include tensing the fascia lata, hip joint abduction, flexion, and internal rotation. Moving on to the piriformis. The piriformis originates on the pelvic surface of the sacrum. The piriformis inserts on the apex of the greater trochanter of the femur. The piriformis is innervated by the direct branches from the sacral plexus, S1 to S2. And the action of the piriformis consists of external rotation, abduction, and ex extension of the hip joint, stabilizing the hip joint. Moving on to obturator internus. The origin of obturator internus is the inner surface of the obturator membrane and its bony boundaries. The obturator internus inserts on the medial surface of the greater trochanter. The obturator internus is innervated by the direct branches from the sacral plexus L5-S1. And the actions of the obturator internus include external rotation, adduction, and extension of the hip joint. It's also active in abduction depending on the joint's position. Moving on to the gemelli, the or gemelli, gemelli. We'll flip a coin on that one. The origin of the gemellus superior is the ischial spine. And the origin of the gemellus inferior is the ischial tuberosity. The gemelli inserts on the, it inserts jointly on the, um, on the medial surface of the greater trochanter with the obturator internus tendon. Uh, and it is innervated by the direct branches from the sacral plexus, L5-S1. The gemelli 
actions include external rotation, adduction, and extension of the hip joint. Also active in abduction depending on the joint's position. Moving on to the quadratus femoris, the origin of quadratus femoris is the lateral border of the ischial tuberosity. The quadratus femoris inserts on the intertrochanteric crest of the femur. The quadratus femoris is innervated by the direct branches from the sacral plexus, L5, S1. And the action of the quadratus femoris is external rotation and adduction of the hip joint. Moving on to the semitendinosus. The origins of the semitendinosus include the ischial tuberosity and the sacral tuberous ligament, which is a common head with the long head of the biceps femoris. The semitendinosus inserts on the medial to the tibial tuberosity of the pezanserinus along with the tendons of the gracilis and sartorius. The semitendinosus is innervated by the tibial division of the sciatic nerve, L5, S1, S2. And the actions of the semitendinosus include hip extension and stabilization of the pelvis in the sagittal plane, knee flexion and medial rotation when the knee is flexed, Moving on to the semimembranosus, the origin of the semimembranosus is the ischial tuberosity of the ischium. The semimembranosus inserts on the medial tibial condyle, oblique ligament, and popliteus fascia. Semimembranosus is innervated by the tibial division of the sciatic nerve L5, S1, S2. The actions of the semimembranosus include hip extension, and it stabilizes the pelvis and the sagittal plane, knee flexion, and medial rotation when the knee is flexed. Moving on to the biceps femoris. The biceps femoris has the long head and the short head. So the origin of the long head of the biceps femoris include the ischial tuberosity, sacrotuberous ligament, which is a common head with the semitendinosus. And the origin of the short head of the biceps femoris is the lateral hip, lateral lip rather, of aspera, in the middle third of the femur. The biceps femoris inserts on the head of the fibula. The long head of the biceps femoris is innervated by the tibial division of the sciatic nerve L5, S1, S2. The short head of the biceps femoris is innervated by the common fibular division of the sciatic nerve L5, S1, S2. And the action, actions of the biceps femoris include hip joint extension, the long head, 
stabilizes the pelvis in the sagittal plane, and knee flexion and lateral rotation when the knee is flexed. Moving on to the pectineus. The origin of the pectineus is the pectin pubis. The pectineus inserts on the femur, the pectineal line and the proximal line of aspera. The pectineus is innervated by the femoral nerve, the obturator nerve, L2, L3. The actions of the pectineus include hip joint adduction, external rotation, and slight flexion, and it stabilizes the pelvis in the coronal and sagittal planes. Moving on to the sartorius. The sartorius originates at the anterior superior iliac spine. The sartorius is inserted on the medial to the tibial tuberosity together with the gracilis and semitendinosus. The sartorius is innervated by the femoral nerve, L2, L3. The sartorius's actions include hip joint flexion, abduction, and external rotation, knee joint flexion, and internal rotation. Next up, we have a mouthful in the iliopsoas. The origin of iliopsoas minor is the T12 to L1 vertebrae and intervertebral disc, lateral surfaces. The psoas major, superficial psoas major, originates at T12 through L4 and is associated inter and associated intervertebral discs excuse me the deep psoas major originates at l1 through l5 vertebrae transverse processes and the iliacus of the iliopsoas originates at the iliac fossa The psoas minor inserts on the iliopectineal arch. The psoas major inserts on the lesser trochanter. And the iliacus inserts on the lesser trochanter as well. The psoas is innervated by the direct branches from the lumbar plexus, L2, L4, L2 through L4. And the iliacus is innervated by the femoral nerve, L2 through L4 as well. The action of psoas minor assists in upward rotation of the pelvis, whereas the psoas major and iliacus function to help with hip joint flexion and external rotation, lumbar spine unilateral contraction, with the femur fixed, bends the trunk laterally to the same side, bilateral contraction raises the trunk from the supine position. Moving on to the 
quadriceps femoris, the rectus femoris originates on the anterior inferior iliac spine, the acetabular roof of the hip joint. The vastus medialis originates on the linea aspera medial lip, intertrochanteric line, distal part. The vastus lateralis originates at the linea aspera lateral lip, the greater trochanter on the lateral surface. The vastus intermedius originates on the femoral shaft on the anterior side. The quadriceps femoris insert on the tibial tuberosity via the patellar ligament, and they are innervated by the femoral nerve, L2 through L4. The action of the quadriceps femoris consists of knee joint extension, whereas the rectus femoris functions for hip joint flexion and knee joint extension. Moving on to the adductor longus, adductor longus. The adductor adductor longus originates at the superior pubic ramus and anterior side of the symphysis. The adductor longus inserts on the femur, the linea aspera, medial lip in the middle third of the femur. The adductor longus is innervated by the obturator nerve L2 L2 through L4. And the actions of adductor longus consist of hip joint adduction and flexion up to 70 degrees, extension past 80 degrees of flexion, and it stabilizes the pelvis in the coronal and sagittal planes. Moving on to adductor brevis, where there is a longus, there is a brevis. Adductor brevis originates on the inferior pubic ramus. The adductor brevis inserts on the femur, the linea aspera, medial lip in the middle third of the femur. And the adductor brevis is innervated by the obturator nerve, L2, L3. The actions of adductor brevis include hip joint adduction and flexion up to 70 degrees, extension past 80 degrees of flexion, and stabilizes the pelvis in the coronal and sagittal planes. Moving on to adductor magnus. The origin of adductor magnus is the inferior pubic ramus ischial ramus and ischial tuberosity. Adductor magnus inserts on the medial lip of the linea aspera on the deep part and on the superficial part, the adductor magnus inserts on the adductor tubercle of the femur. Adductor magnus is innervated by the obturator nerve L2 through L4 in the deep part and 
adductor magnus is innervated by the tibial nerve in the superficial part. The actions of adductor magnus include hip joint adduction, extension, and slight flexion. The tendinous insertion is also active in the internal rotation. And it also stabilizes the pelvis in the coronal and sagittal plane. Moving on to gracilis. The origin of gracilis is the inferior pubic ramus below the symphysis. The insertion of gracilis is the tibia, the medial border of the tuberosity, along with the tendinous, the tendons of the sartorius and the semitendinosus. Gracilis is innervated by the obturator nerve, L2, L3. The actions of gracilis include hip joint adduction and flexion, knee joint, a, uh, knee joint flexion, and internal rotation. Moving on to the obturator externus. The origin of the obturator externus is the outer surface of the obturator membrane and its bony boundaries. Obturator externus inserts on the trochanteric fossa of the femur. Obturator externus is innervated by the obturator nerve L3, L4. And the actions of obturator externus include hip joint adduction and external rotation, and it stabilizes the pelvis in the sagittal plane. Moving on to tibialis anterior. The origin of tibialis anterior is the tibia, the upper two-thirds of the lateral surface, the interosseous membrane, and the superficial crural fascia. The tibialis anterior inserts on the medial cuneiform and the base of the first metatarsal. The tibialis anterior is innervated by the deep fibular nerve, L4, L5, and the actions of the tibialis anterior include ankle dorsiflexion and foot inversion. Moving on to the extensor digitorum longus. The origin of extensor digitorum longus includes the fibula, head and the anterior border, the lateral condyle of the tibia, and the interosseous membrane. Extensor digitorum longus inserts on the second to fifth toes at the dorsal apneurosis and basis of distal phalanges. Extensor digitorum longus is innervated by the deep fibular nerve, L5-S1, and the actions of extensor digitorum longus include lateral four digits, interphalangeal and metatarsophalangeal joint extension, ankle dorsiflexion, and eversion. Moving on to extensor hallucis longus, the origin of extensor hallucis longus is the fibula, middle third of the medial surface, and the interosseous membrane. Extensor hallucis longus inserts on the first toe at the dorsal apneurosis and the base of its distal phalanx. 
Extensor hallucis longus is innervated by the deep fibular nerve, L5. And the actions of extensor hallucis longus include great toe interphalangeal and metatarsophalangeal joint extension and ankle dorsiflexion. Moving on to fibularis tertius. The origin of fibularis tertius is the distal fibula, the anterior border. Fibularis tertius inserts on the base of the fifth metatarsal. Fibularis tertius is innervated by the deep fibular nerve, L5S1. And the actions of fibularis tertius include ankle dorsiflexion and foot eversion. Moving on to fibularis longus. The origin of fibularis longus is the fibula. The head and the proximal two-thirds of the lateral surface arising partly from the intermuscular septum. Fibularis longus inserts on the base of the first metatarsal and the medial cuneiform. Fibularis longus is innervated by the superficial fibular nerve, L5-S1. And the actions of fibularis longus include foot eversion, weak ankle plantar flexion, and it supports the transverse arch of the foot. Fibularis brevis, the next muscle that we're going over, originates at the lateral surface of the distal fibula, the intermuscular septa. Fibularis brevis, remember where there is a longus, there is a brevis. The fibularis brevis inserts on the fifth metatarsal, the tuberosity at the base. Fibularis brevis is innervated by the superficial fibular nerve, L5-S1. The actions of fibularis brevis include foot eversion, weak ankle plantar flexion. Moving on to the gastrocnemius. The origin of the gastrocnemius is the medial and lateral epicondyles of the femur. I just burped. If you heard that, I apologize. <laughs> Gastrocnemius inserts on the calcaneal tuberosity via the Achilles tendon. Gastrocnemius is innervated by the tibial nerve, S1, S2. And the action of the gastrocnemius uh, includes talocural joint plantar flexion and also knee joint flexion. Moving on to the soleus, the origin of the soleus or origins rather is the, are the fibula, head and neck posterior surface, and the tibia, the soleal line via a tendinous arch. The soleus inserts on the calcaneal tuberosity via the Achilles tendon. The soleus is innervated by the tibial nerve, S1 to S2. And the action of the soleus is talocrural joint plantar flexion. Moving on to the plantaris. The origin of plantaris is the femur. The lateral epicondyle 
proximal to the lateral head of the gastrocnemius. The plantaris inserts on the calcaneal tuberosity via the Achilles tendon. Plantaris is innervated by the tibial nerve, S1, S2. And the actions of plantaris include um, nothing. It is negligible. It may prevent the compression of posterior leg musculature during knee flexion. Moving on to the popliteus. The origin of popliteus is the lateral femoral condyle, the posterior horn of the lateral meniscus. Popliteus inserts on the posterior tibial surface above the origin at the soleus. Popliteus is innervated by the tibial nerve, L4S1. The actions of popliteus include knee joint flexion, and internal rotation, which stabilizes the knee. And it also stabilizes the knee. Sorry, I misspoke. Moving on to flexor hallucis longus. The origins of flexor hallucis longus include the fibula, the distal two-thirds of the posterior surface of the fibula, and the adjacent interosseous membrane. The flexor hallucis longus inserts on the first distal phalanx, the base, and it is innervated by the tibial nerve L5 to S2. The flexor hallucis longus um, has multiple actions, which include the talocrural joint flexion, subtalar joint inversion, supination, MTP and IP joints of the first toe plantar flexion, and it supports the medial longitudinal arch. Moving on to flexor digitorum longus. The origin of flexor digitorum longus is the tibia, the middle two-thirds of the posterior surface, and the insertion of flexor digitorum longus includes the two, the second through fifth distal phalanges bases. The flexor digitorum longus is innervated by the tibial nerve L5 through S2. And the actions of the flexor digitorum longus include talocrural joint flexion, subtal subtalar joint inversion, supination, MTP and IP joints of the second to fifth toes plantar flexion. Moving on to the tibialis posterior. The origin of tibialis posterior is the interosseous membrane and the adjacent borders of the tibia and fibula. Tibialis posterior inserts on the navicular tuberosity, the medial, intermediate, and lateral cuneiforms, and the second to fourth metatarsal bases. Tibialis posterior is innervated by the tibial nerve, L4, L5. The actions of tibialis posterior include talocrural joint plantar flexion, 
subtalar joint inversion, supination, and supports the longitudinal and transverse arches. Moving on to abductor halysis. Abductor halysis originates at the calcaneal tuberosity, the medial process. Abductor halysis inserts on the first toe, the base of the proximal phalanx via the medial sesamoid. Abductor halysis is innervated by the medial plantar nerve, S1, S2. And the actions of the abductor halysis include great toe metatarsophalangeal joint abduction and flexion, and it supports the longitudinal arch. Moving on to flexor digitorum brevis. The origins of flexor digitorum brevis include the calcaneal tuberosity, the medial tubercle, and plantar apneurosis. Flexor digitorum brevis inserts on the second to fifth toes and the sides of the middle phalanges. Flexor digitorum brevis is innervated by the medial plantar nerve, S1, S2, and the actions of flexor digitorum brevis include flexion at the MTP and PIP joints of the second to fifth toes while supporting the longitudinal arch. Moving on to the abductor digiti minimi, the origins of abductor digiti minimi include the calcaneal tuberosity, the medial tubercle, and the plantar apneurosis. Abductor digiti minimi inserts on the fifth toe, base of the proximal phalanx, and the fifth metatarsal at the tuberosity. Abductor digiti minimi is innervated by lateral plantar nerve, S1 through S3. And the actions of the abductor digiti minimi include fifth joint metatarsophalangeal joint abduction and flexion, and it supports the longitudinal arch. Moving on to the quadratus plantae. The origin of quadratus plant, plant, planta, plantae, planta, where I say planta, is the calcaneal tuberosity, the medial and plantar borders on the plantar side. The insertion of quadratus planta is the flexor digitorum longus tendon, the lateral border. It is innervated by the lateral plantar nerve, S1 through S3, and its actions include redirecting and augmenting the pull of flexor digitorum longus. Moving on to the lumbricals. The origin of the lumbricals is the tendons of flexor digitorum longus. Lumbricals inserts on the second to fifth toes at the dorsal apneurosis. Lumbricals is innervated by the first lumbrical, excuse me, the first lumbrical is innervated 
by the medial plantar nerve, which is the one that's on the medial side, and the innervation of the second through fourth lumbricals, the lateral three, is the lateral plantar nerve. So the medial lumbrical is innervated by the medial plantar nerve, and the lateral three lumbricals are innervated by the lateral plantar nerve. The actions of the lumbricals include lateral four-digit metatarsophalangeal joint flexion and interphalangeal joint extension, adducts the second to fifth toes toward the big toe. Moving on to the flexor hallucis brevis. The origin of the flexor hallucis brevis is the cuboid, the lateral cuneiforms, and plantar calcaneocuboid ligament. Flexor hallucis brevis inserts on the first toe at the base of the proximal phalanx via the medial and lateral sesamoids. The medial head of the flexor hallucis brevis is innervated by the medial plantar nerve, S1, S2. The lateral head of the flexor hallucis brevis is innervated by the lateral plantar nerve, S1, S2. The actions of the flexor hallucis brevis include great toe metatarsophalangeal joint flexion, and it supports the longitudinal arch. Moving on to adductor hallucis. The origin of the oblique head of the adductor hallucis is the bases of the second through fourth metatarsals and the origin of the transverse head of the adductor hallucis, MTPs of third to fifth toes, the, the deep transverse metatarsal ligament. Adductor hallucis is inserts on the first proximal phalanx at the base by a common tendon via the lateral sesamoid. Adductor hallucis is innervated by the lateral plantar nerve, the deep branch of S2, S3. Adductor hallucis flexes the first NTP joint and adducts the big toe. Moving on to flexor digiti minimi brevis. The origin of flexor digiti minimi brevis is the base of the fifth metatarsals and the long plantar ligament. Flexor digiti minimi brevis inserts on the fifth toe at the base of the proximal phalanx. Flexor digiti minimi brevis is innervated by the lateral plantar nerve the superficial branch of S2, S3, and the flexor digiti minimi brevis is fifth digit metatarsal phalangeal joint flexion as its action. Moving on to the plantar interosse, the origin of the plantar interosse are the third through fifth metatarsals on the medial border. The plantar interosse 
inserts on the third through fifth toes, the medial base of the proximal phalanx. The plantar interossei are innervated by the lateral plantar nerve. The actions of plantar interossei include flexion of the MTP joints of the third to fifth toes, extension of the IP joints of the third to fifth toes, and adducts the third to fifth toes toward the second toe. Moving on to the dorsal interosse. The origin of the dorsal interosse includes the first to fifth metatarsals by two heads on opposing sides. The first dorsal interosse inserts on the second proximal phalanx, the medial base. The second through fourth dorsal interosse insert on the second through fourth proximal phalanges, lateral base, and the second through fourth toes at the dorsal apneurosis. The dorsal interosse is innervated by the lateral plantar nerve, S2, S3, and the actions of dorsal interosse include flexion of the MTP joints of the second through fifth toes and extension of the IP joints of the second through fifth toes. Moving on to extensor digitorum brevis. The origin of extensor digitorum brevis is the calcaneus, the dorsal surface, Extensor digitorum brevis inserts on the second to fifth toes at the dorsal apneurosis and bases of the middle phalanges. Extensor digitorum brevis is innervated by the deep fibular nerve, L5-S1. And the actions of the extensor digitorum brevis include extension of the MTP and PIP joints, of the second to fourth toes. And moving on to the extensor hallucis brevis, which will be the last muscle that we go over. The origin of the extensor hallucis brevis is the calcaneus, the dorsal surface. The extensor hallucis brevis inserts on the first toe at the dorsal apneurosis and proximal phalanx. The extensor hallucis brevis is innervated by the deep fibular nerve, L5-S1. And the extensor hallucis brevis functions as a great toe metatarsophalangeal joint extensor. And those are all the muscles. For this exam, I hope everybody studies hard and wishing you guys the best of luck and may we all get hundreds. I'm speaking it into existence. Speaking it into existence. Law of attraction, right? All right. That's it. I don't know how to conclude these. Maybe a motivational quote. Do or do not. There is no try. Master Yoda. All right, I'll figure this out one day. Peace.